You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis, which is from the sermon series, Don't Get It Twisted. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Well, how's everybody doing today? Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I want to welcome everyone watching online. Uh, Can we let those in-house know? Look at that camera right there in the center and wave at them. Make some noise. They can hear you. Uh, If Speaking of of commitments in step one, if you were here Easter, uh, one of the four or three Easter services we've had, over Easter weekend, and you, you accepted that come to church one year challenge. You accepted Christ and you said, you know what, or you recommitted to Christ and yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit. Or even if you just said, I'm going to commit to church for one year because I haven't been here in a while. Uh, step one of Growth Track is a great next step for you. Uh, if you committed to being involved in the life of our church for one year, I want to encourage you, right after second service, right after, right after, because the Warriors are playing at 1230. <laughs> get, get into the multi-purpose room for growth track step one. You will uh, be glad you did. So I want to encourage you with that. Also, you can join a small group as well. We have a number of them going on. Uh, we're going to get right in. We're going to dive into part two of our message series. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. And what are we doing? We're looking at some of the most misused, misused, misused verses uh, out of Scripture. Uh, Next week, we're going to look at one of uh, the verses in Scripture that people often get twisted uh, and really kind of misunderstand what it means, take it out of context, that money is the root of all evil. So next week, we're going to discover together that that verse doesn't exactly say that. But before you get all riled up, "Eh, he's talking about money, whatever, I'm going to promise you this show up. Because when we're going to look at it in context, you are going to grow in your understanding of what it actually says and how it actually affects your life. Right, Mark? I see you, man. Today, we're going to look at one of the most uh, often misquoted verses in the Bible, that people get it twisted, they take it out of context. Um, Especially, you know, not just Christians, but especially the non-Christians. Those who really don't believe. And these are the words of Jesus. Help me out. We got it up there. Boom. It says this. Do not judge or what? Now, you may not recognize this verse because it's usually quoted in the G-A-V, the Ghetto Amplified Version, (laughs) where they say, you can't judge me. Anybody ever heard that? You have no right to judge me. You ain't my God. That's the uh, G-A-V version. It goes on to say, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, you have no right. This is what they said. You have no right to tell me how to live. I'm living my truth. You do you, boo. (laughs) 
You have no, you know what's funny about that is I don't look like that should be coming out of my mouth, but. (laughs) In other words, you have no right to tell me how to live. You're a sinner too. You, You mess up just as much as I do. I'm going to live my life, you live your life. Listen, and it doesn't matter what I do as long as I'm happy. It doesn't matter how I live as long as nobody gets hurt. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm just doing what I do. In fact, one can argue that this is one of the most pervasive values in our culture today. We're supposed to tolerate everything. Every kind of behavior, every kind of belief system, we're supposed to tolerate it. You have no right to say something is wrong. No one has any right to say something is right or wrong. It says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, the reality is that you and I, we have to be very careful with this. We have to, we have to, we can't mess this up. This is why we're spending some time on this today. Because there is nothing that hurts our witness more than, I mean, it hurts our witness as much as anything I can think of. Because we all know how horrible horrible it feels to be judged, don't we? I mean, I, I hear this all the time making it a little personal, being transparent. Hey, PG looks mad. He must be having a bad day. How do you know? Look at his face. It's no secret that this theme alone is probably the number one issue uh, that drives non-Christians away from a relationship with Jesus. Because I've always said it's not the person of Jesus that, he have, that people have a problem with. It's the perception or our projection of Jesus that people see. There's, there, there's nothing, you know, probably the number one reason this drives non-Christians away from a loving relationship with Jesus. You hear it so often. Christians are so narrow-minded. They're so judgmental. They're so hypocritical. They're so judgmental. Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. Is that exactly what Jesus is saying? Is that exactly what he meant when he was saying those words? Don't judge? I mean, if that's true, we also have to acknowledge that you know, no teacher has the right to grade a paper. No teacher has the right to grade a performance of an essay. No citizen should sit on a jury to hold a criminal accountable. If he meant that, no police officer has the right to tell anyone that they broke the law. Is that really what Jesus is saying? Don't judge. Could it be that on, I mean, now walk with me here for a second. Could it be on some level that maybe we are allowed to judge on some level that, that we're able to judge something? 
I want to ask you a question, a few questions, and it's to get you to think about this, and it's, it's meant to be a little tricky. For example, do you have the right to judge somebody's funny hairstyle? What if it was your kid that had this funny hairstyle? <laughs> Let me bring it a little bit more home. What if someone you knew shaved a word into his hair? That may or may not be me. It is me. I, I, I'm going to hold a prayer session after service in the corner for all of you who are affected by that. And I just obliterated your perception of who... I am. Um, it says hype. Do you have the right to judge? Do you have the right to judge some random guy who gets a Raiders tattoo? You know, all, all Raider fans with Raider tattoos are criminals. Or worse, what if your pastor was a Raiders fan? Do you... and shaved words into his head. <laughs> they wouldn't show up today. What, do you have the right to judge some guy, some random guy who, who looks at porn? Do you have the right to judge your best friend who's addicted to porn and looks at porn? Do you have the right to judge your other friend who's married and a Christian who's having sex with prostitutes? Do you have the right to judge? Do you have the right to speak into their life? Do you have the right to judge a friend who is lighting up another person with a tapestry of expletives that you've never, ever considered putting together in one sentence? Do you have the right to call them out? Today's culture, it says your sex life is your sex life. until you have sex with a 12-year-old. And what if that 12-year-old was your daughter? Do you see how incredibly important it is to get this right? This uh, do not judge or you too will be judged. How incredibly important it is to know exactly what Jesus was talking about. Do we never have the right to call out someone's wrong behavior? Or do we? I think it's complicated. But I also know it's important. If you've been with us for the last few months, we, we've, we went through a series called 40 Days in the Word. And we learned lessons on how to understand, how to better understand and apply Scripture to our life. And how do we do this? By understanding the context of what the Word is saying. Uh, who? Who wrote it? To whom? Who did they write it to? Uh, what was said before this verse? What was said after this verse? What's the main theme of this verse? How do we interpret Scripture with other Scripture? 
So we get kind of the totality of God's word, just not a verse. My devotional day, by the way, this is a freebie. Uh, it's funny how we latch on to one sentence of an entire letter and come up with a whole meaning just based on that one sentence of an entire letter. When the letter was written, it'd be like Pete, you writing Pokey a letter, a love letter, and she just takes one sentence out of that, like, you know, I wish you would do the dishes or something, <laughs> and then gets mad at you based on that one sentence in this entire love letter that you just written her. So it's important that we, we, we understand the context, the totality of God's Word to learn, and not just learn it, but apply it, because remember, Big head, numb butts, tiny heart. Doesn't make a big difference in God's kingdom. But apply it. Not a text to be studied, but a letter to be lived. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context on this. Uh, if you back up to chapter 6 before chapter 7, back up to chapter 6, the main theme, just give me a summary, context here. The main theme of chapter 6 is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Chapters 2, 5, and 16 you see Jesus kind of railing on the Pharisees because of their hypocrisy. Now we get to chapter 7, where our text is out of today, and it says, do not judge. Do not judge. Later in that chapter, Jesus says, also, watch out for false prophets. Be aware. Be on the lookout. Watch out for false prophets. Wait, I thought we weren't allowed to judge. I mean, but to identify a false prophet, what do we have to do? Judge. Jesus is implying that you will have to make an, a, a judgment. But is that what he's really saying? Is that what Jesus is really saying when he says this? Dealing with hypocrisy and then watch out for false prophets. What I want to do is show you very clearly, Jesus is not telling us to not show discernment. Jesus is not telling us not to show discernment. He never said not to correct other believers. He never said that. He is, however, showing us to be very careful never to judge hypocritically. Walk with me. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And we're seeing this in context. Jesus continues. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when the whole time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite it's a big theme the big theme of this hypocrisy that's the main theme above anything else he says first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye in other words you're not ever going to hold yourself back from wanting to help another brother see more clearly but but you cannot go around and pick apart other people you can't go pick apart everyone else when you have your own problem. What we need to do is we need to look in the mirror first. 
focus on your big issue in your own life, not the little faults in everyone else around you. Jesus is saying, don't judge hypocritically. That's the context. Now let's take a moment and try to interpret Scripture with Scripture. I want to look at other verses and see what they clearly say about judging. I want to look at four different things in Scripture today that clearly uh, uh, talks about judging. What is clear about judging? The first is from Jesus Himself, and He teaches us that we should not judge superficially. And if we're honest, almost all of us do this frequently. I mean, if we're really being honest, we judge superficially. John chapter 7, verse 24 says, Stop judging by what? Say it with me. Mere appearances. By the way, if you're newer with us and you see something bolded and underlined on the big Bible in the sky, that is your invitation to read it along with me. <laughs> or if you're a Bible underliner, you can underline that in your Bible or highlight it on your Bible app. It says, do not, you know, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead, what? Do not judge. You can't judge me. Is that really what Jesus is saying? Judge accurately. Judge correctly. But do not judge by mere appearances. I think some of us have the spiritual gift of judging by appearance. And you know who you are. For example, and I wish I had a picture of this. Uh, it's happened multiple times to me. Man, I'm being completely transparent today. Um, I was at a golf tournament. Uh, There's a church out in, uh, off a of Lone Tree, Golden Hills. They were putting on a golf tournament at Roddy Ranch. Anybody old enough to remember Roddy Ranch? Miss that course. Uh, and uh, after the tournament, me, my brother, my uncle were in the, they had a big tent where they held uh, the, the food. And we're sitting there at our table and there was like three or four uh, people from three other tables looking at us, kind of murmuring, leaning in, you know. And my uncle goes, hey, what are, the, what are those tables doing? And I, I don't know, it's kind of weird. And, you know, we kind of just went on with the meal and, you know, we, they kept looking at us and whispering. I'm talking three or four tables. Uh, Finally, at the end of the meal, uh, a couple of them get up from a couple different tables, walk up to me and says, hey, this may sound weird, but are you John McEnroe? <laughs> and you, here, here's what's really funny about this. My wife and I were at Disneyland and I got the same thing. A couple people stopped me uh, or we were in line and they were asking. Apparently these golfers thought it was a celebrity tournament. <laughs> and I was the celebrity. <laughs> that would have been pretty rad though to have a picture of McEnroe up there and me at the same time. But, um, but it happens to me frequently. And it's so easy to do, isn't it? To kind of, you know, sit back and, and to be judgmental of somebody, to judge somebody from a distance. But we have to be careful. And we should never, ever judge superficially from a distance. I mean, we hear it all the time. Oh, she's so pretty. She's probably stuck up because <laughs> she's so pretty. 
but you have no idea that her mom's dying in the hospital. You don't know what's happening behind the curtain. You're the snobby one by judging her. Uh, he thinks he's all that on Instagram. Look at, all, look at what he's doing, all those likes. When reality is, you're the one obsessing over social media. Man, that guy, he's so stinking rich. He has all that money. But you have no idea what he's spending it on and, and all the people that he's helping with all that money. And even in the church, you know, oh, hey, listen, we're, we're going to go to that church down the road because we don't like the pastor. He's not meeting my needs. But the reality is, you don't really know Him. You have no relationship with Him. You're just making a judgment call from a distance. Listen, Creekside Church, we need to be a church of people who are for people who are for God. Not judge from a distance, but give people the benefit of the doubt. Believe the best about other people. Believe the best about other people. Not judge by mere appearances, but judge correctly. The Apostle Paul teaches us that we should never judge hypocritically. He's talking to the Roman believers and he's telling them, when we point out sins of others, oftentimes you are doing the same thing. Be careful is what he's telling these guys. Be careful. I want you to look at this in Romans 2. It says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, what are we doing? We're condemning ourselves. For you who judge others do the, these very same things. Now here, this is where the Apostle Paul, his tone changes and it's filled with grace. And, and, and listen to the intensity of words. He said, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? He's saying, why are we picking them apart? God's been gracious to you you're not perfect. But God's grace is sufficient for you because God is waiting on you to change as well. It goes on to say, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Friends, we can't judge superficially. We better not judge hypocritically. What do we do? It's so common. We accuse of others while we excuse ourselves. We accuse other people while we make excuses for why we do stupid stuff. It may sound like this. I can't believe what Brady did. I just can't believe it. Me? I'm doing so. Well, you're calling me out? Hey, listen, you don't know my story, bro. But I can't believe Brady did this. I hope you find your way. <laughs> I can't believe what Brady did. 
but someone calls me on it, hey, you don't know the whole story. If you knew what I went through, you would understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. We accuse others and we make excuses for ourselves. The place, you know, here's what I've learned. The place that you issue your hardest judgment on other people often reveals your deepest weakness. Think about that for a second. Whenever I find myself quick to judge, it's, so, it's often an indicator that I'm wrestling with the, same, the very same thing in my life. And that I should look in the mirror because it may be a reflection of some kind of sin in my own heart. Marinate on that for a second. When you issue your harshest judgment on somebody else, it's often an indicator that you should look in the mirror because it's a reflection of the very thing that is going on in your heart. You judge others, you condemn yourself. For example, someone accuses someone else of porn, but often what do we see? The accuser is having an affair, right? Oftentimes we're unable to deal with our own sin, so what do we do? We divert our focus onto others. We have to be so careful. The Bible says over and over again, if you're going to correct others, if you're going to hold each other accountable, if, if we're going to call one another out out of love, be careful because you may be tempted to sin. Never judge hypocritically. Number three, if you're still with me, Never hold on or never hold non-Christians, those who don't believe the same way you do. Never hold non-Christians to Christian standards. I'm not just talking about judging outside of these walls. I'm talking about judging within these walls. We never hold those who are outside the family of God to our own family standards. You wouldn't do that in your own biological family. This is what Paul said regarding this. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? If they're not followers of Jesus, who am I to tell them how to live? He goes on to say, are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. If they are believers, aren't we together? I mean, as iron sharpens iron, encourage one another, help one another toward, you know, spur one another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, to show love and to help restore people who have fallen. Restore. To help other family members. See, if someone is outside of the church, if someone's outside of the family of God, we don't hold them accountable to family rules. It's not our place to judge. And we do it so often. Watching the news. Watching people in public. Hey, you non-Christian! Stop what you're doing and you need to act like a Christian. That's stupid.
And then we accused him of, of, of not acting like a Christian. Exactly. Because they're not. This may be one of the top three reasons non-Christians are reluctant to ever have in a relationship with Jesus because of the judgmentalism and the hypocrisy of Christian believers. And oftentimes, it goes back to the point I made just a minute ago. We are unable to deal with our own sins, so we divert our focus on other people. When someone's not following Jesus, we cannot and we're not going to hold them to Christian standards. We can't. It's not our job. It's not our job to point out their sin. And if, we, if we're honest, every single one of us have, has probably done that. Whether internally or we audibly said something. It's not our job to point out their sin. It's not our job to change them. Here's what our job is. Our job is to introduce them to a God who will change them. That's our job. God will change people. People won't change people. Our job is to love them, not correct them. What does the Bible say about judging? Never judge superficially. Never judge hypocritically. Never hold non-Christians to Christian standards. The fourth thing is this. Always help other believers who have fallen uh, be restored. And this is important that we get, this is kind of an in-house thing. Why? Because this is going to be you and me at some point in our life. Every single one of us are going to fall, trip up, and hit the pavement face first. And we're going to need someone who loves us and cares for us to be right there to bring us, to give us a hand back up. We all need to be willing to help each other and willing to, yes, it's a four-letter word, correct each other. I'm being sarcastic there. Help each other and correct each other Listen, listen to what the Apostle Paul said. Brothers and sisters. See, you know what that is? Brothers and sisters? That's, that's inside the family talk. You with me? He said, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should do what? Say it with me. Restore that person gently with the same grace God gave to you, you give to them. You restore them with love, compassion, and grace. doesn't say you, brothers and sisters, if someone caught in sin, you berate them, you, you know, yell at them, you tell them how bad they are, you tell them what you don't like about them. No. You restore that person gently. But then it goes on to say, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If I need to go to John, lay down your life for a friend. It's not about you. 
I think it's interesting that those who have been broken, messed up, and, and now restored seem to be some of the best people uh, at helping others to come out of that same struggle and be restored. Here's what we need to do, church. If you're taking notes, write this down. We need to stop shooting our wounded. Seems like the church is really good at that. The same grace that restores you and me, that same God-given grace, is the same grace that you and I use to restore other people. This is how we do it in the family of God. There's no other way. This is how we do it. And if you heard Montel Jordan, I high-five you. (laughs) This is how we do it in the family of God. We call sin a sin. We call sin a sin. We make no excuses. Well, I'm I'm just addicted to it, so it, it makes it somehow okay. No, it's a sin. Well, you don't understand. It's it's it it's I don't I don't care how you get there to do it, it's still a sin. Sin is a sin. We call sin a sin and lovingly lead them back into God's purpose for their lives. That's what we do. You know, out of everything, the most important thing is this. Relationship. Relationship. Uh, I say more about that in my welcome blurb in the bulletin. Take some time to read that. Because it's rare that I would ever confront somebody that I don't know. Again, some of us have the spiritual gift of just calling people out that they don't know. I see it on Facebook all the time. But it's rare that I would call people out that I don't know. But I do know this, that I receive better. I receive from those I do know than those I don't. And I'm, I'm sure you're probably in the same spot. Why do I do this with love? Why do we confront with love? Why do we call sin, and, uh, sin a sin in love? Why do we do this? Because Jesus is love. And Jesus came in grace and truth. Listen, in the, in the text, restore the person gently. You know what we see? We see grace come first. I think there's a reason for that. Maybe it's because without grace, truth is super hard to digest. All truth and no grace turns people away and and leads them to say, screw it, I'm out. All grace and no truth leads people to think they have a license to do whatever they want. Jesus came in grace and truth. Know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. That is how we love one another. That's how we love one another. We don't judge those outside of the family of God. We show them grace while we proclaim the truth. Grace. 
Isn't it first Peter uh, or Peter who said, you know, be prepared, be on the ready to give a reasonable response for the uh, unspeakable joy and hope that you have in Christ. He didn't say, go and blast everybody who don't, doesn't live according to your values. Show them grace and proclaim the truth. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Friends, those of us inside the church, if somebody misses the mark, and if we're being honest, raise your hand if you ever missed the mark. Some of you are lying right now and you're missing the mark. <laughs> we all do. We all miss the mark. If somebody inside the church, if someone misses the mark, here's what we do. We love them enough to tell them the truth. But we always do it with grace. Always with grace. Because what I know to be true is that every single one of us in this room, we are all equally in need of grace, the grace of God. Every single one of us. Because why, church? It's just not what we do. It's who we are. It's not just what we do. It's who we are. I'd like you to stand with me as we close. I think anytime you now hear me say it's not just what we do, I think the appropriate response from the church as a whole should be it's who we are. So church, it's not just what we do. It's not just what we do. Because we are Christ's. We are Jesus' followers. He is our Lord. And He came in grace and truth. Father God, we come before you today asking for your help in overcoming our tendency to be judgmental. Help me to recognize when I'm being critical or unfair in my thoughts and even my words, Father. And Father, help me to replace those negative thoughts that I have about certain people with kind and compassionate thoughts, with kind and compassionate, grace-filled words. Father, teach us to listen with an open heart and to respond with understanding rather than with judgment or condemnation. Whether it's people inside the church or outside. And Father, I pray that you help me to better understand and give me more understanding and forgiveness and to always remember that, ye, that, that we are all your children and we all deserve to be treated with respect and kindness. I pray that you guide us, Father, this week. Guide me and give me the wisdom to see beyond appearances and embrace the diversity of your creation. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your constant love and your grace. Now, some of you have showed up today going, hey, this life I'm living, I'm struggling with it, and I, and I feel like I'm just critical of people. I, you know, I, I have judgmental thoughts. I see everything in a negative light. 
And, and you're probably wondering how your life can be different, how your life can change. And I'm here to tell you right now, in-house and watching online, that Jesus is your answer. Jesus is your answer. Maybe even if you've been walking with Him for a while, but you're jaded and you, you've become a, a, a curmudgeon Christian. And you're wondering, how do you break out of, 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 of that jaded perspective of life? Jesus is your answer. Jesus is your answer. And if that's you, in your own way, you don't have to say it out loud. I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today with a repentant heart, acknowledging that I'm a sinner in need of your forgiveness, Father. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and he rose again. And I want to accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Father, please forgive me of my sins as I surrender my life to you. For I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And as I surrender my life to you, I ask that you guide me, lead me, and help me to live a life that is pleasing to you. And Father, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your unconditional love. And I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me strength to follow you all of the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Friends, right before we, we're going to close with a song about Jesus paying the price for you and I. And if you accepted Christ today, recommitted your life to Christ today, this song is going to be a little bit more weightier than maybe how you've sung it in the past. If you did, I want to welcome you to God's family. I want you to go see my friend. It's Linda back there. See Linda, get your yes packet. And if you accepted Christ uh, or recommitted to Christ, or if you've been here a while and you're like, you know what, I'm ready to dive in a little deeper. Join me, my wife and the staff and a number of other people with pulled pork sandwiches at step one right after second service. And I'm giving up the beginning of the Warriors game to be with you. That's how important it is for me. If you made a one-year commitment, get back here after second service, 11.15, 11.30, and get into step one. You guys are loved beyond anything you can ever comprehend. Thank you for being here. I'd love to see you next week. Have an amazing week. 